Struggling to communicate with your co-parent? That's why Peaceful Co-Parenting Messenger was created. It's a communication tool for all co-parents, but especially those who are in high-conflict situations. I always tell co-parents who ask, sign up for Peaceful Co-Parenting Messenger as early as possible in your separation and divorce process, because you never know when you're going to need a more robust communication tool that allows you to set boundaries on the communication you have with your co-parent. Are you getting messages that look like war and peace? It's not a text message. It's the length of a novel. Set the brief chat limitation in the app and keep those messages short and to the point. It's about the kids, right? Keep the focus there. You can also limit the number of messages you receive in a day and other nice a la carte features meant to bring sanity to your life. You deserve that and your kids do too. Peaceful co-parenting messenger in the Apple App Store and soon in the Google Play Store. Go to PeacefulParentApp.com for more information. This week on Peaceful Co-Parenting Podcast. Focusing on the little things, i.e. not brushing their teeth, eating Doritos for dinner, and getting constant screen time. I'm embarrassed to admit this one to you, but yes, I was angry about the fact that my co-parent did all those things. Now you might be saying constant screen time is not a little thing, but in my situation it was. In my situation, saying to my co-parent, hey, can you limit their screen time to no more than two hours a day? The American Academy of Pediatrics recommends it and you should change your behavior. The likelihood of him saying, thank you for pointing this out to me. I will limit their screen time right away. Less than zero, the chance of that happening. Welcome to Peaceful Co-Parenting Podcast, where we discuss strategies and tips to improve your co-parenting situation, especially if it's high conflict. I'm Bianca Ballo, co-parent, mother, and entrepreneur, creator of Peaceful Co-Parenting Messenger app, and believer in turning challenging situations into something positive. This week, I'm solo, and I wanted to share with you some mistakes I've made along my co-parenting journey. It's not easy to talk about mistakes, but I think we've all made them. They've contributed to a dysfunctional relationship, right? Some of them we're aware of, and others we may still be making. At the time of this recording, I've been co-parenting for more than four years. I believe one of the most valuable things to do in life is to learn from the mistakes of others. And so today I'd like to share some painful lessons I've learned along the path of what I would describe as a high-conflict co-parenting journey so that maybe you can avoid some pitfalls. Mistake number one, keeping all lines of communication open. I think this is a common one many people make right after they separate. You think everything's going to be fine, at least you're hoping so. You're not sure. You allow emails, text messages, phone calls, voicemails. You allow everything. For me, it quickly became an overwhelming onslaught of harassment and abuse. My co-parent loved email because the very nature of the platform begs for long messages. We were both distraught, of course, from the disintegration of our marriage. But I was utilizing therapy to really process my feelings. But he was sending email to me so that he could process those feelings through the emails. That was not okay with me. What choice did I have in the matter, though? At the time, I didn't know that resources like co-parenting apps existed. In fact, it was my therapist who recommended we utilize a co-parenting app to keep track of all of our communication and so that it could be on the record. In case it got so bad, I needed to take him to court, which actually I did. Now, if you're in a high-conflict co-parenting situation, 
I would recommend blocking your ex from all communication except for a peaceful co-parenting messenger or another co-parenting app. Use only a co-parenting communication tool that is court admissible and tamper proof. That being said, I also realize that the courts will only be interested in recent, like the last three months or so of communication and the entire communication record will probably not be read. Like what judge would have time for that? That was another mistake I made, thinking the judge would actually care about the nasty messages that my co-parent sent me. He called me a whore, evil, selfish, a bad mother, a cheater, a bitch, and would frequently use foul language and messages to me. He attacked me. He attacked my family, my sister who died a couple years prior. He was so below the belt, so in the gutter with his messages that I was considering a restraining order. What I learned when I called the police and then ultimately took him to court for digitally harassing me was that unless he was actually threatening my life, threatened to kill me, no one actually cared. A sidebar here, every time I needed documentation, I would have to print out the communication, reread it and relive the abuse, highlight the most egregious messages, and it was awful. That's why in the co-parenting app I created, I gave the user the ability to highlight important and separately offensive messages right when you read them. That way, when you create a report, it's already done and you don't have to sift through the nastiness and relive the trauma every single time. So use a co-parenting app, block all other forms of documentation right from the beginning. Even better, put it down in your parenting plan, the communication tool that you're going to use with your co-parent, put it down. Also, put down in your parenting plan an emergency contact name and phone number your co-parent can call if you ever need to completely block him or her. That way, if you need a break from communicating, you can take it. Mistake number two, going off the rails when my ex pushes my buttons. Every co-parenting situation is different, but I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that most people are harboring some kind of anger towards their co-parent in the beginning. It's hard to stay in control of yourself. When someone comes at you with anger, I find it one of the most difficult things to do to remain calm and actually respond with kindness. I really regret lashing out in spoken and written form when I couldn't take the attacks anymore. Yes, I am human and not a robot, and therefore I struggle with maintaining control sometimes. Really though, there's no excuse for losing it and acting like an idiot. Have some strategies you can turn to when you feel yourself leaning towards lashing out. The most important one for me was never to respond immediately, but take time to breathe, calm down, and then craft your message. Sometimes it's the next day. Give yourself a waiting period of like two hours, for example, before you respond to any messages from your co-parent. Think about what you want to say. Calm down. Go for a walk. Breathe then come back to the message later. Either that or write the message immediately because you're pissed and you need to get it out. Then don't hit the send button, but just process what actually needs to be responded to. If you're dealing with a narcissistic personality and your co-parent, they feed off the response. They love the reaction they get out of you. It's actually just encouraging more of the same abusive, terrible messages. They think, hey, that worked. I've got her hooked with that type of message. 
and then you get more and more. Don't feed the beast, but shut it down. Mistake number three, allowing others to badmouth my ex underhandedly in front of my kids. After I separated from my co-parent more than four years ago, I frequently turned to my family for love and support. They saw me hurting, they witnessed the emotional abuse, and it was hard for them to see. It didn't help that I would share with them the details of my difficult situation. Of course, they jumped on board, disappointed in my co-parent's behavior. But what happened was that they didn't understand all the time that we should never badmouth my co-parent in front of the children. My kids were young at the time, age two and four, but still, you don't say negative stuff about their dad in front of them, no matter what their age. You know, at first I felt supported. Hey, they're on my team. I'm validated. See, they're disgusted by his behavior too. Then it was just wrong. It was always wrong and it got uncomfortable. The bad mouthing was never super overt. It was always underhanded comments under their breath or off to the side. It was trying to be hidden, but it wasn't always. It needed to stop. And I asked them straight up, please don't say bad things about the children's father in front of them. But it remained hard. Like sometimes my kids were in the next room and they would walk in at the very moment we were talking. I'm glad to say that it absolutely doesn't happen anymore. I think what's happened too is that my co-parenting situation has improved and my boys have gotten older. And everyone knows now that if they heard anything bad about their dad, even in a whisper, it would hurt them. When they were so young, age two and four, I think people thought, oh, well, hey, they won't understand they're too young. They won't get what we're saying, but it still should have been off limits. Mistake number four, reading messages from my ex late at night. Just because you get a message from your co-parent, you don't need to read it right away, especially if your children are with you at the time. It's like, hey, this message can't be about some child-related emergency because the children are with me. It can wait until the morning. I was reactive and not strategic in the beginning though. I didn't know how to protect myself or take care of myself in the beginning. Ultimately for me, it was about setting boundaries, boundaries with myself and boundaries with others. One boundary I needed to set with myself was setting a curfew on co-parenting discussions so that they didn't keep me up awake ruminating all night long. I don't know about you, but sleep is critical to being my best self. With quality sleep, I'm a better mother and a better person. Upsetting messages can derail my sleep if I read them too late in the day. It's funny, I'm a morning person and my co-parent is a night owl, of course. That's just one of the many differences between us. So his time to send messages, especially nasty ones, was right around my bedtime, eight or nine o'clock at night. The phone would ding, and notify me I got a new message from my co-parent and I would feel like I needed to read the message. No, just because you receive a message doesn't mean you need to read it right away. Unless you have some court order that says you must read and respond to messages within a certain number of hours, love yourself enough to prioritize yourself and your sleep. Mistake number five, not getting a co-parent counselor. I actually did get an individual therapist. It was actually before I left my husband. I had a great therapist who helped me process the decision to leave and then helped me through the entire first year of separation. However, I didn't even realize that a co-parenting counselor was a thing. Had I known, I would have definitely asked my co-parent early on if we could see one. 
It might have helped when we were on better terms at the start to get it going right away. I'd like to think that it may have helped us. As it turned out, by the time we considered co-parent counseling, the judge had to order it for us. It's a long story, but we were way too far gone by that point. My co-parent actually agreed to see the co-parent counselor, but that's what he would do. He'd be agreeable in words, but not in actions. I set up the co-parent counselor session, but he didn't show up. He refused to see a co-parent counselor, but he wanted to see a marriage counselor where he could talk about anything, our entire relationship, and quote, nothing was off limits. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think I even need to explain why that wouldn't work. I don't know if co-parent counseling would have worked for us in the beginning to help set the stage for a better co-parenting relationship. I wish I would have known enough to have tried though. I am proud to say that seeing an individual therapist independently for the first year after divorce helped tremendously to not only get my head on straight about what I was doing, but also gain some insight into my own actions, my part in the mess, and how to move forward making better choices. Mistake number six, not taking a high-conflict co-parenting class sooner. There's co-parenting, and then there's high-conflict co-parenting. They are very different in the sense that I think high-conflict co-parents need firmer boundaries and more skills around navigating the dangerous waters of manipulation and abuse. The mistake I made was thinking that we both needed to take the high-conflict co-parenting class, either together as a team or separately but both at the same time in order for it to be effective. That was wrong. I ended up taking a high-conflict co-parenting class by myself because he refused to participate, but it helped me tremendously. What I learned is what I could do to help our situation. I learned more about high-conflict people. I learned their template, their standard behavior, and why they do the things they do. Of course, every situation is unique, but what's interesting is that high-conflict people seem to behave similarly. So if you can start to identify the behavior, you can also understand how best to react. You can also start to expect certain behavior. For example, I was talking to another parent the other day. He is a man and his high conflict wife and my high conflict husband did such similar things. It was uncanny. Even though they're different genders, still they had similar behavior. With a high conflict co-parenting class, you'll educate and equip yourself with the tools necessary to work with your ex face-to-face -face and in written form. Never mind if he or she takes the class too. Keep your side of the street clean and model good behavior. Mistake number seven, not having a more detailed parenting plan. I think my attorney and mediator pulled up their standard parenting plan for co-parents who can actually work together. Needless to say, this basic plan did not address our issues and left so much unsaid that we were set up for failure from the start. I never thought I needed to put in the parenting plan, the children must attend school. In other words, the parent must take the children to school. I never thought I would have to actually have that in the parenting plan. I also never imagined I would need to state since the children are allergic to cats, diagnosed by an allergy specialist after a thorough allergy test, the parenting plan should say that they should not live with cats. I kind of just thought that that went unsaid. I assumed too much that my ex and I were on the same page. 
I would advise you to think about the worst case scenario and then put it in the parenting plan. Another idea is to ask your attorney to find a parenting plan for high conflict co-parents and use that instead of the basic plan. I would even recommend doing this even if you don't think you have a high conflict co-parenting relationship. Just use the high conflict co-parenting parenting plan because then you're covered. If you're at a loss of like what to include in your parenting plan or you're finding it hard to come up with different scenarios, you may want to consult with a high conflict divorce coach. They'll be able to guide you down the right path. And if they've been in the business for a while, they will have a wealth of information and situations that other clients have faced that they could alert you to. Reaching out for help when you're stuck is so important. Mistake number eight, focusing on the wrong person. I used to find myself spiraling down into a vent session about my ex, only to feel terrible like I had a raging emotional hangover afterwards. The mistake I made in the beginning was not focusing on myself, but rather the other person and their awful behavior. I found there was no point in that type of behavior at all. It was a waste of time. Instead, take that time to better yourself. Educate yourself on some aspect of your situation. There are so many books, audiobooks, podcasts, consultants that you can spend your time on instead. Focusing on yourself can actually turn into some good. Focusing on your ex makes you feel angry, stuck, and helpless because there's no changing the other person. Ranting about your ex doesn't help, and it actually keeps the focus on his or her dysfunction rather than on yourself and your healing process. Move the focus to self-care, good times with your kids, and harness your energy into something positive in your life rather than on the negativity of your ex. Mistake number nine, trying to communicate during exchanges. All right, I need to give you some background here. I've already mentioned the harassing, abusive messages from my co-parent and, and what he would send me, right? They were terrible, and I did not know how to respond. So I wouldn't respond at all. At first, I did respond by saying, I consider these messages harassment. Please stop. I consider these messages harassment. Please stop. I consider these messages harassment. Please stop. I said it over and over and over again but the messages just continued. So I just stopped responding. Nothing, no response at all. Granted, in the co-parenting app we were using, he could see that I had viewed the message. He knew I got it. He also knew that I didn't respond, and that infuriated him. He felt ignored, discarded. So what did he do? He stopped responding to me, of course. When I would message him about the children and stuff to do with actual co-parenting, he would ignore the message, just like I was ignoring his abusive messages. I'm not sure, but I guess he thought they were the same? I could never get a response from him about a request to change the parenting plan. Hey, the boy's cousins are in town visiting. Can they stay an extra day? Hey, I'm working on potty training. Are you? So when he would show up to the house to pick up our boys, I would head out first and try to ask him these simple questions. It didn't go well. It was not the place to talk with him. Inevitably, the children would head out right in the middle of me trying to communicate with him about a co-parenting issue. He had already gotten angry and weird, and we were starting to spin out. 
He refused to engage. It was not good. The children felt the tension and weirdness. I regret that tremendously. I couldn't make my co-parent play nice with me. He was only going to play mean or not at all. What I realized and what I want to share with you and what I've heard many times from other people is that exchanges are not the place for discussion. That was a mistake I made. Just transfer the children with as much grace as you can muster, with a good attitude in the face of tension. For them, do it for them. Then figure out your other issues later, like getting an answer to your co-parenting question, the harassment, etc. You may just need to parallel parent and let go of the actual work-together co-parenting idea. Mistake number 10. Focusing on the little things, i.e. not brushing their teeth, eating Doritos for dinner, and getting constant screen time. I'm embarrassed to admit this one to you, but yes, I was angry about the fact that my co-parent did all those things. Now you might be saying constant screen time is not a little thing, but in my situation it was. In my situation, saying to my co-parent, hey, can you limit their screen time to no more than two hours a day? The American Academy of Pediatrics recommends it and you should change your behavior. The likelihood of him saying, thank you for pointing this out to me. You're totally right. I will limit their screen time right away. That was less than zero, the chance of that happening. It would just cause more conflict. If the screen time is an important factor for you, put it in your parenting plan. I wish it had been in mine. But let's consider that for a moment. What if it was in your parenting plan? How would you keep track of the screen time when, when the children aren't even with you? They're at your co-parent's house. How are you going to know how much screen time they have? Maybe the computer logs it. I'm not sure. But how could you prove that they actually got more screen time than two hours per day? Is this something that you would take your co-parent to court over? Consider all those things. And if the answer is yes, and you can prove it, and it's important enough for you to actually drag them into court over, maybe it's not a little thing, maybe it's a big thing. The other stuff like teeth brushing and baths, chips and sugar for dinner, and whether they had clean clothes on are hard to prove and probably just little things to let go of. I know it's hard, but focusing on good big things, like your co-parent shows up on time for exchanges every time. He doesn't speak badly about you or your significant other to the children. Maybe your co-parent includes you on the school information and lets you know when soccer practice is. You know what I'm saying. There's probably a lot of good things about your co-parent that you could be focusing on. Now, what about the actual big things? In my situation, my co-parent wasn't taking my children to school when they had school, when they should have been there. I could absolutely prove that. And that was big enough that it needed to be addressed. My children are very allergic to dogs and cats, and my ex decided he was going to live with a dog and a cat. That was also big enough to me, and I could prove it. Both of these issues, unfortunately, needed to be brought up in court. I won, too. Point being, let go of the little stuff and focus on the big stuff that you can prove. If there is no big stuff, then just let go of the conflict for your kids and for your own happiness. You won't find a cookie cutter solution for dealing with your co-parent. There are a lot of similarities to certain personality types, but you're unique and so is your co-parent and your family situation. 
learn everything you can about co-parenting and the personality types that make co-parenting difficult. Then look at your unique situation and make your own choices. Thanks for joining us this week on the Peaceful Co-Parenting Podcast. I hope the time was well spent and you got a lot out of the episode. If so, please rate and review the podcast. I would really appreciate it. If you're interested in sending me a feedback message, asking a question, suggesting a podcast topic or guest, or downloading Peaceful Co-Parenting Messenger as a tool for better communication with your co-parent, go to peacefulparentapp.com or see the links in the show notes. Have a great week. And this episode of Peaceful Co-Parent was brought to you by the Equal Shared Parenting Program. Do you find that you're ever in need of someone to talk to, like a counselor or a therapist? How about legal advice? If you've looked into it, you know these services can add up financially. That's why the Equal Shared Parenting Program exists, to help parents be their healthiest, holistic selves. It's a membership program that offers discounted and free services like behavioral health, free tax prep and advice, and access to financial education and credit counseling, all for the low price of $29.99 a month. Learn more about the Equal Shared Parenting Program by going to equalsharedparentingbenefits.org forward slash PCPM. The PCPM stands for Peaceful Co-Parenting Messenger. That's equalsharedparentingbenefits.org forward slash PCPM.